If I felt there was more for me drinking in life, I'd go and do it. I would go and do it now. If I felt that there was going to be, I was going to have a better life doing it, I'd be back there. But Mm. there is nothing that shows me that. Welcome back to the Understanding Men podcast, which is basically two guys talking about the things that men could, but don't speak about anywhere near enough. I'm Luke Sutton, and I'm once again here with my great friend, Fraser Franks. We hope you've all had an excellent start to 2024, and we are very conscious that at this time of the year, things like New Year, New Me get said by a lot of people as they look to make some big changes in their life at the start of a calendar year. So we thought we would do an episode on exactly this, turning your life around, changing your life, because Fraser and I have been really honest in the past and on on this podcast about the changes that we've made in our lives with alcohol and other things. And we felt that it would be an interesting topic to dive into, see what worked for us and, and discuss some of the challenges that people face around it. Let's start it off with, as always, my question to Fraser. Well, not always, but most of the time. Fraser, tell us how you feel you've changed or turned your life around. I definitely feel like I have done that, but I feel like I've done that a few times. But the most significant one was with with alcohol. And I think when it comes to turning your life around, the big thing that I know is you have to want to do it yourself enough it has to come from within because I get so many people that because I'm quite open about turning my life around and alcohol and things like that can you help my husband can you have a word with this person do you think we can stop this person drinking until that person has reached a certain point it's so so difficult you can try and support and help as much as you can but that turning your life around I think every single person that's ever done it it comes from within. You get to a point where you go, this is enough. I need to do something different here. Because if you're repeating the same thing over and over again, you're never going to get different results. You know, we've all heard that before. But for me, it got to that point where I knew that I wanted to change. I wanted to turn my life around, but I didn't quite take action. It was a thought that came and went. And it was nothing dramatic, but it wasn't until I just got a point in myself where I was like, this is enough. Like, what are you doing? I want better for myself. I want better for my family. And there just came that moment where enough was enough. That's where I feel like some people may may struggle sometimes with a New Year's resolution because you're almost forcing it to be on a certain date rather than getting to that point of going, this is enough. It's more organic when it comes naturally and you turn your life around, whereas a New Year's resolution is kind of man-made, if you like. But there's, there's so much that we'll go into here. But I, my, my big thing is it has to come from within. You have to get to a point where you want it badly enough for yourself to, to make a change. And whether that's, you know, alcohol, fitness, business, whatever it might be, I think there comes that point inside where you go, come on, I can do mm. this now. Just to sort of pin you down a bit more on that. So when one of the things I think we'll discuss more is this, this phrase, turn your life around or yeah. change your life. Like turn your life around is is a very significant thing very significant statement so you said you you feel like you've turned your life around a few times obviously Mm. one of the biggest ones most recent ones is 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 alcohol 
and uh, getting sober and not drinking. What are the other ones that you're, you're sort of talking about there? Yeah, it, even even when I re- rephrase it about turning your life around, it probably, that was definitely turning my life around with alcohol. The others are maybe adapting to circumstances and, and changing as a person. So I know for a fact when I finished playing professional football, and it kind of went hand in hand with alcohol, but not until I started like looking into who I was away from the athlete and started to understand who I am as a person. Because before that, I genuinely had no idea who I was. And it's, it's scary looking back because I, just, I was just completely oblivious. If someone had said to me, you know, what are your values or what do you enjoy away from football or what do you believe in it? Nothing really. I just, I, I get up, I do all I can to play football. I get home, I rest, I go out with my mates at the weekend or with my partner, whatever it might be. That's, that's all there is to it. And, and there was no, not much more depth to me than that. So I went on like a, a kind of like a personal development journey, which I started to unravel and understand myself. In the last couple of years, it's been unraveling things that I've probably blocked up from, from childhood and throughout my life and career and stuff like that, which I find really interesting and fascinating to kind of go through. So yeah, I, I feel like, and, e- and even with like exercise and diet and stuff like that, I feel like I've made, I wouldn't say turn my life around with them, but I've definitely had big changes in my life and, and had to adapt with different circumstances. And then obviously the the more recent ones are the heart operation, the divorce. Again, it's, I wouldn't say that's turning my life around, but it's having a completely new set of circumstances and continuing to discover more about the person that you are, I suppose. But how about you? Would you say there's, there was that one point and would you use the phrase turned your life around? And would you say that you've done it a few times or would the others be more adapting with, with different circumstances? So I think the phrase for me, it would be turn my life around. But I, for me, the phrase that really sticks for me is I rebuilt my life mm. from collapse, essentially. And I guess I've got the hindsight now of that being nearly 12 and a half years ago of me getting sober and rebuilding my life. So looking back, alcohol and the way I was living my life is probably the best phrase, was what caused the crash. But the rebuilding in my life, and I know this is going to sound a bit back to front to people, wasn't about alcohol Mm. or the way I was living my life. It was about Mm. me. It was about who I was how I conducted myself, you know, what you were saying, value systems, who I wanted to be, all of those things. I just got to a place where I'd got completely and utterly lost with who I was meant to be or who I wanted to be. I don't know if that who I was meant to be is quite the right phrase, but who I wanted to be genuinely from the bottom of my soul, the person I felt I, you know, I could be in the world. So for me, the turn in my life was enormous enormous and I, I want to talk about this actually what does actual change what does actual change mean to people because I think that's an important thing but for me it was hugely significant a hugely significant change but it wasn't yes I stopped drinking yes I stopped living my life in a certain way but actually the fundamental changes were were more profound I think I want to caveat this because I think it relates to what you were saying I don't think change starts and finishes. I think it starts and then it's forever evolving. Mm. So I never want to make a statement like 
I've nailed it. I changed yeah. and I'm I'm absolutely mm. on it. All of those old characteristics, they are just there, just tapping me on the shoulder if I want to go back to them. So I'm never I never want to put it across as being and I'm about to give you some examples that I've I've absolutely completed them. But for me, the biggest changes were about honesty, being honest with myself. I want to talk about this more because I think that's a profound part of of making significant change in your life, whether it's to do with any part, honesty, but getting honest with myself, being less selfish. So again, I don't want to say not being selfish ever again, because I, I still can be being less selfish and having a much better relationship with control not feeling I needed to control absolutely every microcosm of my life and just Mm. having some faith in the universe and letting go a little bit and understanding my part within things. So from there, my life did turn around, but it's ever evolving, you know, and Mm. ever moving forward. You know, that part that you say about that pat on the back thinking you've nailed it, it's kind of an amazing thing that I get from, from meetings not just with alcohol, but with, with everything. Like it's a daily reprieve and it's the next day you start again from zero. You continue and you put those practices in again. And there's an amazing quote that I've got on my phone. When you think you've won, you're done. I think I might've said it on here before, but when you think you've won, you think you've nailed it. You think, oh, I don't have to do the work. I've got this. I've completed it. That is when it comes and bites you in the arse pretty quickly when you mm. think you've nailed it in whatever aspect that is, when you think of an activity you might be doing or something at work or something, you, you know, whatever it might be, when you think you've got it nailed down, that's usually when you take your foot off the gas and something comes and bites you. And then those aspects there that you talk about, I, I'm the exact same. I think, yes, it was removing alcohol, but it was all the other steps that I had to look at and then put in place that has been the, the building blocks for change. Because in the first few months I stopped drinking, I just took away the alcohol and didn't do anything else. I just, you know, I was miserable. I wasn't honest with myself. I wasn't looking to improve. I was sulking. I just literally swapped alcoholic beers for non-alcoholic beers. So I sat on the sofa and drank them instead of normal beers. So yes, I removed alcohol and technically I was a couple of months sober, but I wasn't doing the work. And again, that is a daily practice for me of things I have to do to make sure that my day and my well-being is is on form. And I think one thing that you've really helped me with is that element of control, not feeling like you're running the show, that you have to have everything because I've always had that fear of uncertainty. But when you actually seek a bit of perspective, even when you take it like to ridiculous levels, like the ball of dirt that we're spinning on around this universe, whatever it might be, we're never in control. Anything could happen at any point. We're never really fully in control. And there are certain things we can be in control of. But I think where you've helped me is letting go of so many things. It's like, look, what will be will be. You've done your part. Get out the way and let the rest sort of unfold where before it was just a constant trying to fix things and trying to make sure this is right. And that's right. And the other part that you talked about there for yourself was the selfishness. I wouldn't have had it that I was a selfish person at all. If someone told me years back, you're selfish, I would have really pushed back against that. But again, getting honest with yourself, 
I've been incredibly selfish, like really self-centered and selfish as an athlete and growing up in that environment. But just as a person, it's there's there's been a lot of times where it's been all about me and my way and having no awareness of that. And you can still obviously get, I think we're all inherently selfish because it's our, we're living our life and it's our world. But you have awareness of it and you can catch yourself on certain things and pull yourself up on things. And again, like you said, be honest with yourself. So those have been really big. Like those those mm. steps that you just said for yourself have been have been really big for me and continue to be. Because I'm nowhere near, as I said, like I'm nowhere near where I kind of want to be. I, I still want to improve on this all the time and it'll be never ending, I think. Well, you're talking about that kind of not being where you want to be and it ever evolving and not ever being in that place. You're like, I've nailed it. I think that's what we all feel. Mm. It's an ever evolving thing. And I think there's a beauty in that. I just want to go back because you mentioned meetings at the start. Mm. Obviously, for people listening in context, and correct me if I'm wrong, those are AA meetings, right? Yeah. 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 Also, I just want to say on the control thing, and you know, you're talking about the piece of dirt that we're on and you know Mm. where we are in the universe and and I've used phrases like having faith and letting go and sometimes and I I know I used to do this very early on when I was understanding about the concepts of control I'd immediately take that to being a religious thing and Mm. really take that to being about God and etc now everyone will have their own personal place where they feel comfortable with that or wherever they sit with it it's it's absolutely fine but if you're somebody who doesn't believe at all in god in religion anything along those lines i would urge you to listen to some of what the astronomist brian cox tells people about but I don't know if you've listened to much, Fraser. It is yeah, I did after mind- you recommended it. Did I, did I tell you? I'm obsessed yeah. by it. Sorry. <laughs> it is mind-blowing. Just he explains in really layman terms the size of the universe, us within the whole, I don't even know how you'd describe it, universe, galaxies, stars, and you suddenly realize how tiny, 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 tiny we are. So when we think, oh, I'm the big I am, I'm, you know, I'm in control, I'm the master of everything, you, you can get really humbled by just taking a bit of that on board. What would you say, Fraser, is the, the biggest thing that you think somebody needs to make significant change? I think where we get it wrong is we're running on willpower. And I've looked into this quite a lot. And for me, willpower is is something that can be, it's like a muscle. It can be strengthened, but it is a finite resource. So I believe a lot of people make a New Year's resolution and they're just sort of like white knuckling, clinging on, really fighting against. And it's it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of stress. But, you know, willpower can be built. And it's, you know, I think Oli Ollerton mentioned it a couple of times when we when we spoke to him. It is a tool, but I think you need more than that of just hanging on and gripping on. I think a lot of people go into the new year on kind of extreme diets and they're really like restricting. They really want to eat something, but they're like, no, I can't do that. And eventually where it's not sustainable and that willpower kind of fades a little bit, you end up binging or you end up, probably going back to where you started in the first place. 
rather than having something that's kind of sustainable step by step that isn't so reliant on like clinging on for dear life for willpower and again like you touched on the word god before but that going down like a spiritual route for me has really helped in certain aspects and even even some of the podcasts i listen to now i think people have been scared to use the word god or even go near that subject but joe rogan's got the biggest podcast in the world he talks openly about a faith that he believes in and there's an amazing scientist called Andrew Huberman who's who talks mm. about like prayer, meditation, and his belief in God and stuff like that. And that's a scientist that's trying to like prove things basically, but hands over and says there's a force out there that's none of us really know. And it, it, you don't have to believe in anything particular, but just having a, a kind of faith and a belief. And I think where we get it wrong is willpower and kind of drastic extreme changes. But I think there's there's action steps to be put in place in certain things that we need. I think we need other people, which is one of the big things. I couldn't have made the changes I've made without other people. I needed accountability was, was one part. I needed support. I needed someone I could call. I needed a community. I needed people that were like-minded, that didn't make me feel weird or make me feel judged. And I think that's really important to find whatever kind of change that you want to make in life. I think the people that you surround yourself with can have a huge impact on that. And I'm seeing it myself where I'm helping a few people do dry January at the moment that do want to make this change. And they want to stop drinking alcohol for the month and then see where it takes them. But I can tell the difference between someone that is going on willpower and is locking themselves away and isn't socializing and is having a, a pretty tough month. Whereas someone that's actually doing a little bit of inner work and has someone that's helping them and has someone they can reach out to and is starting to kind of explore different possibilities. But I come back to that point of of having people around. I, I, I couldn't have made the changes I've made without really good support around me. And I think probably the majority of people that have made big changes will say, they needed certain people in certain points in their life. And again, it's where I used to be quite embarrassed. Not embarrassed, but I used to cringe a little bit when I used to say I'm spiritual and I believe in God. But hmm. I absolutely do. And I don't believe in coincidences, but I look at certain people that came in. You, for a prime example, how we cross paths or other people in my life that have kind of just crossed paths at the right time and things have happened and you've and that has led to making big changes and stuff like that so I'm very very open to that and very it gives me a lot of peace it gives me a lot of faith that I'm on a certain path and I've also now developed certain tools where I know myself where if I'm being swayed away from that path I have a little inner voice that criticizes me a little bit and pulls me back so when I'm doing something that yeah it doesn't quite align with who I am I can quite quickly recognize that now but it's a tough one because I think it's very individual as well. It's a very individual process for making change. Mm. But how, how about yourself? I want to just go back to that, the willpower thing, because mm. I think it's a brilliant point. What I would say is that long-term healthy change isn't stressful. Yeah. Remember that. Long-term healthy change mm. isn't stressful. If it's a stress for you, day in, day out, you're not going to stick to it eventually you will go, I can't do this anymore. Now, change at the beginning 
whether it's around, obviously, Fraser and I keep referring to alcohol, but remember this covers anything. Change at the start is always difficult. Those early steps is always difficult. And Fraser's right, you need people around you. You need you need structure, you need support, you need a plan, you need a timetable, because it is like that. But it can't be like that forever. So if somebody's like, again, I, I'm going to refer to alcohol, but somebody goes, how are you getting on in dry January, you go, do you know, I'm counting down the days, then that person's going to drink drink again, because they're not feeling any joy from it. It's like having to do an extra press up in the gym. Eventually, you're like, I can't be bothered to do that. Mm. Just quickly, Lou, that is such a good point. That sums up my, I would say my first year of sobriety, where I had no kind of program in place, but I was I was sober, and I was learning about myself. And I, I had an incredible year of a lot of positive change. But I was kind of clinging on. I wasn't at ease of not drinking again. There was still that part of me that was like, I've done a year. Maybe now I can go back and it's under control. And there was that thing of, oh God, I'm missing out on this. And I hadn't quite changed my relationship properly with it. And now I genuinely, you couldn't pay me to take a drink. (laughs) I've, I've had people that I've spoken to, you know, variously, but have said, when they stop drinking, like how am I going to walk down the alcohol aisle in a supermarket and stuff like that? You get to a point where you can breeze down. You're looking at it and going, I've got no craving for that. I don't want to, I don't need to use that. And you get to that point of just such like ease with it. I think that's a brilliant point in whatever, mm. whether it's alcohol or something else, if you're under stress and you're really like resisting and holding on, you're never, ever going to do it. And that's why sadly i i see some really good people that i know that are sober but i kind of see that in them that they are like kind of holding on and gripping it Mm. and i can and then i see other people that do have that maybe have a little program in place and have the community around them and stuff like that that are learning to be at ease with it and then people like yourself who are are 12 years that it's it doesn't feel like a, a stress at all it doesn't feel like you're missing out on anything like you, the, the absolute opposite of that no totally and i want to just help people with this a little bit more because what you've talked about in your first year of sobriety is really not unusual you know in, mm. in lots of ways whether somebody's trying to get over addiction or you know trying to be more organized in their life or trying to get to get the gym more or better relationships all of this change is always difficult at the start so that point of not just willpower. What is the opposite of willpower? Someone might go, okay, great. Well, what is the opposite? So the opposite of willpower is having faith in a process that you're doing. Okay. So let's go back to that word God. So whether someone believes in God or not, instead of thinking God as a religious God, think of God as good, orderly direction, good, orderly direction. So you're just going, I I'm going to put my faith in this process for change, which is going to involve not doing that thing, having some accountability and support, having some structure, having some planning. I am going to put my faith in this process rather than just doing the first thing, which is I'm not going to do that thing. And that's the difference. Okay. So it's trusting a process rather than, and again, I'm just going to refer to alcohol because it's super easy. I'm not going to drink again. 
I'm not going to make any other changes. I'm not going to have faith in anything. I'm not going to have a plan. I'm not going to have support. I'm just not going to drink. That is literally gripping on with willpower. The opposite is, is creating a process in your life and going, I'm going to have faith in that process. And if I want to call it God, good orderly direction is just, I'm just going to follow this process and it's going to take me. And I can promise you from my own personal experience, eventually that process becomes your life. And then mm. it's ease. It's not willpower. The bit about what you were trying to give up becomes irrelevant. And mm. it's super, super important. I'm going to build on that because I obviously need to give what I think is the most important thing to make significant change. And I, I did mention it a bit earlier. But for me, the, the most important thing to make significant change is honesty. Honesty of where you're at. And I mean that in the deepest possible way. If you can get to a place where you are brutally honest about who you are and what you're capable of, then you can make change. So if you are somebody, and I'm just thinking of examples, who's constantly in toxic relationships and you spent your life up till now going, God, I never meet the right person or this person's horrible or da, da, da. And you can get truly honest about the fact that it's you. You're the one who is attracting those people in your life. You can turn those eyes around and look into your soul and go, oh, my goodness, this is what I'm capable of. Do you know what? That is a horrible feeling, but it's the start of making change because you get honest about what you're capable of and then you move away from it. But if you can't get honest about what's happened in your life, and then obviously in this, this instance, we're talking about bad things, you're just going to keep coming at you. Mm. because it's like the universe is is going you're not you haven't learned your lesson yet let's just give you a little bit more of it a bit more of it and so get honest and when i say get honest you don't have to tell anybody other than the person you look at in the mirror when you go to just before you go to bed and you go okay and it's not about some sort of self beating up not at all it's just about real honesty there's a bit of good and there's a bit of bad in all of us but when you get real handle on who you are and what you, you can do, I, if I talk about myself, all of those characteristics and ways I went about leading my life 15 years ago, I know I'm capable of doing that again. If I don't look after myself and I don't do the things that keep me well and healthy, I can go back to that in an instant. And I know deep down how bad that is. Me, horrible, horrible person, selfish destructive, toxic. That's what I can go back to. And I'm really grateful that I know that and I have that honesty because it allows me to move away from it. Mm. How long would you say, Luke, that because the opposite of that is denial, isn't it? And you're not, you're not taking a true look at yourself and being honest with yourself. There's, there's an element of denial there of, I, I had this before where I kind of looked but I, w I wasn't ready to make that change. I was still in a little bit of denial that I'm not that bad. I'm not, you know, this, I'm not that. How, how long would you say that period lasted for you? When you say denial, it's, it's almost like that period of self-discovery, isn't it? You're not going to mm. know everything about it, especially if you've essentially been asleep for 20 years, you know, personally or 15 years or 10 years or whatever. And suddenly it's like you wake up and you're like, oh, I know everything about myself. I think it takes probably a year or two of self-discovery 
that sounds, I guess, to someone painfully slow. I don't think it's like that, but you've experienced no. it, is it? You, yeah. you just, the more you know, the more you know. You know, you're like, mm. you peel off a layer of the onion and then there's another layer and another layer. And, it, you know, and it, I think it takes a year or two. But I think the most important part is you're in the process. You're in that process of doing it. And, mm. and I think denial, and if I go back to that word honesty, it's really interesting. And I'd really challenge you if you're listening to this to think about your relationship with the truth and again I sit here not as someone who's preaching like I've got this perfectly right I'm a work in progress myself but you can be somebody who says well I never tell a lie I'm an honest person I never tell a lie and that might be factually correct you never tell a lie but my goodness me, you tell yourself some fibs along there, <laughs> on the, along the way, and you tell yourself things that deep down you know are not true, but you do it to protect yourself from facing something you need to change. So that person who is deemed truthful actually is not honest at all with the most important person in their life themselves. And it holds so many people back from making change because eventually your head will tell you that whatever that thing is that you thought you needed to change, eventually your head will go, well, it wasn't that bad. That relationship wasn't that bad. The fact that I lost my job doing that, oh, well, I'll get another job. And eventually you just drift back into the same patterns of behavior that you were before. And that's why you've got to hold on to that honesty of knowing who you are. That really resonates with me, that. Where do you think most people get it wrong? I mean, everything that we've talked about at the moment, but it does boil down to, and I've, I've slightly stolen this because I know that rehab centers do research on why people relapse, you know, go mm. back to drinking or drugs or whatever, whatever it is that their addiction was. What are the, what's the main reason? And it's everything we've talked about, but essentially it boils down to the fact that that person feels that there is a better life for them going back to that than the one they're in. Mm. That's it, it essentially. And I think that's the crux of it. You know, mm. it's someone who gives up drinking and I apologize again for always talking about drinking, but it's just our thing, I guess they give up drinking and they get to a place. They're like, do you know what? I prefer my life drinking than not drinking. And they go back to it. And I often refer to, or say this to people when they ask me about my drinking genuinely hand on heart well on my kids lives if I felt there was more for me drinking in life I'd go and do it I would go and do it now if I felt Mm. that there was going to be I was going to have a better life doing it I'd be back there but Mm. there is nothing that shows me that nothing there is nothing I know you feel the same Fraser but there's nothing so for me being sober I'm the same as you. It would take, a, I, I don't know how it would get me to not be sober. I'd have, it'd be, be like essentially saying I'm accepting having a really shit life, you know? I think this is where a lot of people struggle when it gets to this kind of period when they're doing dry January as well. I know, I know in, in different programs, they call it euphoric recall. Mm. So what you'll do is you'll look back at that life that you had beforehand and you'll just highlight and grab hold of all the good bits because one thing that that I have to admit and probably you have to admit as well is there was a period where alcohol served and it was fun and you had some good times all that kind of stuff 100% and what your mind can do for, for anyone that's taken away the substance basically of whatever it might be 
is it can flash back and almost play a trick on you and just sieve out all of the good moments. So you'll think of, oh, that brilliant night out I had, or for us as sports people, it might have been we won a promotion or trophy or holidays or weddings. And you'll get all this like flash little showreel that comes up of, oh my God, that was, they were brilliant. And maybe now I'm not really having as much fun. That can be where I, th- I think a lot of people maybe dip their toe back in the water and end up end up doing that. But what I have to constantly do, and it, this isn't a depressing thing for me at all, I have to daily constantly remind myself what it was like. And this is where we spoke about meetings before, AA meetings, but this is this is kind of why I do that as well, because it reminds me of your 12 years of a hangover you would have to like try and remind yourself what a hangover felt like. Mm-hmm. I bet it's the, your worst nightmare now to <laughs> wake up hungover. But I have to remind myself of actually the, the really dark side of alcohol and where it took me and some of the big mistakes that I made and some of the things that I did and some of the situations I got myself in. That takes some honesty and some reflection because the easy thing to do would just be to brush it under the carpet and just forget about it. It's a while back. I don't drink anymore, so I don't need to look at it. But I have to go back and really go, do you know what? I need to really remind myself where this took. I've got notes on my phone that I look at of when I was drinking and wanted to stop or when I've made a mistake or when I didn't like who I was. I have to constantly remind myself of what it was like then. I want to constantly remind myself about that just for myself. But again, like you said, there isn't, there isn't anything that I can look back on in that life and go, it would be better drinking. And again, where I think people maybe get it wrong, and again, apologies for referring to alcohol, is those good times that they had, they aren't coming back. And, and people can't accept that. So when alcohol was fun at the beginning, maybe when you're 18, you're 20, you're single, going out with your mates, when you're 50 and you're having that night out with your mates again, trying to kind of relive what it, what it was like when you were 18, there's not that acceptance of it's not going to be the same. It's not coming back without any kind of consequence off the back of it, probably. And I think a lot of people struggle with that element of, oh, you know, all my, all my fun days are behind me. But then what I, what I love now is that isn't fun for me. And maybe it's society's version of fun, but then you get to redefine everything that you find fun. And what you find fun, your drinking buddies or friends that you drank with before, or people that you associated with might not find fun, but you will find, and you know, in the last five years, I've found the best friends that I've ever had. People that are on my wavelength, people that are slightly different, that enjoy different things, that want to experience fun in a completely different way than a nightclub or a bar or something like that. And don't get me wrong, I've still got my friends that that go out and do that and I still, you know, love them. But it's opened my eyes up so much. And I think the longer that people go on this kind of journey and you keep doing the work and you uncover things, you start to, these people start gravitating towards you. Like I said before, you start moving in different circles and going on this path you'll naturally connect with certain people that come in that just elevate you even more or start to cheer you on or push you on to something different. And that's what I've constantly found on this. And Mm. even this week, honestly, this week I found that where I'm being introduced to random people through someone that I've met along this way. And I'm like, how has this happened? But it just, it does it. 
Mm. It's it's something that is is pretty magical about it. Yeah, but you know what? In, in those that instant, the change that you're talking about of you meeting these people and having new experiences is has come from you. Mm. You're the change, and you're then you know like you said you're attracting these people or these people have come into your life because we've talked about boundaries, for instance, on this podcast previously. And if you're somebody who's in really good health of life, mentally, physically, you know, just, just generally, you're going to avoid people who you feel are toxic, aren't you? Mm. So therefore, if you're toxic, you're not going to attract those people. They're going to come and they're going to go, whoa, I'm out of here. So the change has come come from you that, that comes there. I, I just want to add something that's really, really important to this is in any change that you make, you have to produce evidence to tell you it's worth it, right? And that evidence is golden. So you can definitely look back on times that have gone bad. And like Fraser, I can tap myself back into some of the darkest moments as if it happened six hours ago, and I can remind myself about who I am. But that does wane a little bit because if you're like 10 years and plus of that change, it doesn't feel as close and the most powerful counteract to that is produce evidence the other way. So yeah. for me, over Christmas, I go on holiday w- with my kids and family, and it's I love it. It's mm. the, my most favorite time of the year. And for me, I know that that's possible because I'm well. And that comes on a number of levels. I'm not there ruining the holiday by drinking. We can afford to go because... I'm working hard and being productive. I've got a great relationship with my kids and my wife, and that's because I'm not being an absolute idiot. So those bits of evidence for change are so powerful in keeping you moving forward. So as you move away from those dark times, it's like you, you're like, oh my God, this is great. Let's keep going. Mm. You know, I know it's how it is for you, Freddie. Then you want to like gold plate it, don't you? You want to like go, I'm not letting go of this. This is amazing. Mm. Mm. I not even know this was here. So actively, when you're going through that process, look at producing evidence yeah. to back it up. And that, that's where as well, Luke, like, like if you if you look at alcohol, we're no longer drinking this substance. But again, like you said, it isn't about the alcohol. You took that away and then actually began to live a different lifestyle and understand yourself a bit more. And alcohol almost comes almost comes a bit irrelevant. It's like this different thing that you're doing now that you weren't doing before. You stopped drinking, which was a, a huge catalyst for it, and you continue to to not drink and understand what that did to you and understand what helps you now. But it's almost as if the alcohol becomes irrelevant because you haven't got that craving for it. You haven't got, you're not clinging on to not drinking. You're not out there skiing going, oh, look at everyone else having a drink. I wish I could kind of do that, but I can't because I'm this. You remove that and you you just start exploring life. And again, with something that you told me before was like exploring life in all its colors because when you were drinking, it was just like kind of samey, kind of gray. And then you take it away and you just open up this whole new lifestyle for yourself. Maybe it's because I'm only two and a half, three years in. I just find myself learning every single day something different or something exciting or something that is a possibility that beforehand 
I didn't see much possibility. I, I was in that gray, gloomy cloud. I was sulking, feeling sorry for myself. And I was using the most readily available antidepressant suppressor of emotion alcohol, which, which again, I, I'm not someone that demonizes alcohol, but um, for me, it's like a socially acceptable way of dealing with things. Whereas, you know, yeah, I mean? but you know, I do, but I would, you know, there's lots and lots of ways we do that. You know, yeah. lots, lots yeah. I, you know, I have a crap day and I come home and, you know, I want to have some chocolate because I want to, I want to, I want to change how I feel. We, we yeah. do it. Human beings, we, we yeah. do it. It's, we feel a bit kind of vulnerable. We'll put a blanket around ourselves. Mm. You know, it's, it's part of our behavior. You know, we'll, like somebody will feel lonely and they'll text an ex. You know, because yeah. it feels yeah. like it, it, it's human nature, and we mm. we do it. The thing around all of this, around the the changing and whether you want to change and all that kind of stuff, if you're not sure, you're not sure whether you need to make this change. And I would never, if some somebody says to me, "I want to change in my life," I'm like you, I I want to see why and what and really yeah. do they mean it, or is it just lip service, whatever it is. But if you're not sure, just have another crack. Go again. Mm. Just if it's you think you've got a problem with the way you eat and then you're like, well, I don't think I do. Just have another go. Just do, go and do what you did again. Mm. And you're going to soon discover whether you're right or wrong. If you think, well, actually, the alcohol wasn't that bad, go and have another drink and you probably are going to discover one way or the other. If you think your yeah. relationships are not good, you just whatever it is, it's, it, the truth will rise. I know I'm going back to an old episode, but the truth <laughs> will rise. We can't hide from yeah. it. So change and whether it's needed or not needed or why it has to come from fundamentally somewhere deep inside you mm. but if you're not sure about it it's all there waiting for you just to have yeah. another go and then you'll make up your mind one way or the other i want us to talk a bit a little bit so just i know we have done throughout this podcast but i want us to sort of break it down for somebody listening going great I, I get all of this just give me some real simple action points as to what do I do if I wake up today and I've listened to your podcast and I'm like yeah I want to change this aspect in my life what are the steps that we would recommend do you want me to start Fraser or shall I pin it over to you go on you, you start <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll play off of your uh, answers okay well I think the first really important thing I would add is really concentrate whatever the changes you want to make on small wins. It's a bit like looking at a problem and seeing it as this enormous mountain, this huge, difficult challenge that you've got to overcome and it feeling so overwhelming. You're like, I am never going to be able to do that. And the advice would be break it down into something smaller. And it's the same with change, small wins become big wins. So really focus early on on those small wins. So if it's you want to change the way you're behaving or you want to change the way you're organizing yourself or doing something in your life, concentrate on small wins to begin with. And, and often they can be time periods. I didn't do this for an hour. I didn't do this for half a day. I didn't do this for a whole day. And just let those small wins build up and they become big wins. In addiction, and Fraser will know this, the phrase one day at a time is said 
all the time. And it's said for really good reason, because one day is a small win. You just keep doing that and suddenly you've done 365 of them and you've done a big win of a year. And it's really important to concentrate on that and build up a bit of momentum where you feel a bit of evidence coming back to you like, I can do this. I've done a day. This is great. I've done an hour. I can do two hours. And you go from there. I think I'll hand it over to you now, Fraser. What's your next tip? No, I, I, I get that. I think especially when if you if you take it away from alcohol for a second, you go on, you know, a lot of people have fitness and nutrition goals in 2024 and my mum won't mind me saying this she she sent me a message hello tracy (laughs) (laughs) she sent me a message the other day saying that she'd done yoga like on on tv and she'd done it and then she she felt good off it and then she said i'm gonna do it every single day now and then i Mm. said to her i was like don't do it every day i said make it like sustainable and i think this is sometimes where and it's hard that because if you've done something, it feels good. I'm, mm. I'm that kind of person. It's like, well, I'll do this more is better. Yeah. But it's that sustainability element of it of, again, someone at the start of the year, maybe that someone that eats three chocolate bars a day going, right, no chocolate now for the year. Those small wins might be cut down to a bar a day if you're eating three bars a day. And then maybe treat yourself on a Friday. And then maybe if you do really want to, eliminate it then slowly those small wins as you said like build up but I think we kind of it's like black and white we're all in Mm. and sometimes when you're all in like that the second you slip up it's like oh well I've ruined it now anyway so I might as well go back to eating three bars a day or go back to not doing it at all so I think that's like an important element. Mate can I just interrupt you can I try because that is a great chat because the same applies to saying, right, I'm, I'm never going to drink again. Apologies for the alcohol. I'm never going to drink again in my life. Yeah. You know, if someone does again, they're like, oh, well, fuck that, haven't I? Yeah. But it's actually if you say, I'm just not going to drink for one day at a time. If you do mm. drink, you start again the next day. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. That, that no, great that's, that's, actually, that's a really good point as well. Because I'm So I'm helping a guy that's doing dry January and he got to day 10 and had a drink. And he was, like you said, like, first port of call really honest with me and I, I love that because it had been so easy I'm not seeing him face to face it had been so easy for him to just go yep day 11 now like still going still going well but he said I slipped up last night and, and this happened instead of beating himself up and going and he, he's someone that not a daily drinker but quite a big heavy drinker instead of going oh 10 days I can't even do 30 dry January's finished for me it's actually celebrating you've just done 10 days of of this which you've probably not done for the last three years that's that's a win if you can now you know you've got two choices you either you either go back to exactly where you were before this and carry on doing that or you've done 10 days which is a big win for you yes dry january is a 30-day kind of challenge but irrelevant really in the grand scheme of things you know you're not going to look, look back in five years time ago yeah but I didn't get all the way through January. It's like, it's irrelevant. This is all about his, his behaviors. Celebrate that almost and then get straight back on it. And it also might tell him, right, if I can't do more than 10 days, maybe I've got, maybe it is kind of a bigger issue than I, than I first thought. And it might actually, I said to him, it might be the best thing that ever happens to you because it might give you that little kick. It's maybe highlighted something and he's had to probably look at himself and be a bit more honest. But hopefully this is like a, you know, sustainable period for him. But that was a good one for me the other day to sort of realize in that. And the other thing I would say is in whatever your kind of 
looking to change is that element of getting help mm-hmm. and whether that's in the form of a community or whether you're actually getting professional help. So for someone that wants to get in shape, when I first started going to the gym, I would walk in the gym and go, right, what do I do here? And I just walk around and do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that. And, I bet and you did a few really... bicep curls. But not really having a clue what, what I was doing, but being in the gym, feeling like I was doing something. But actually, if you, you know, and sometimes it is, you, you'll pay a little bit extra and get a personal trainer or someone that could show you around a little bit. Or you might look into nutrition or you might have, you might end up doing a bit of counseling or a bit of therapy or something like that. But actually maybe getting some kind of professional help is a, is a step for me as well that that I would encourage if you can afford it if not there are books that you can read there are YouTube videos where we've got a lot of information accessible to us so I think those two are important elements for me I was going to add to that there's tons of stuff available on YouTube you know if you're talking about the gym there's countless free stuff you can look at I think seeking out a community or support in whatever form that comes in is I agree with you it's just understanding that it doesn't just have to be a one-on-one thing it can just Mm. be you following other people who have similar struggles to you you know if you need to find someone who is kind of going through some of the stuff that you're going through follow them then if they're documenting that you know if someone is following fraser they'd see the journey that he's gone on and he's going through Mm. and you might really relate to that and i'm sure you do fraser and get messages from Mm. people going i really relate to what you're saying Mm. And I That's think a great point because that helped me them out. in my first initial period of sobriety was that Instagram community and that really did help me. Yeah, and I mean, let's remember that also Fraser does direct message a lot of famous people. If Matthew Perry had come back to you, that would have no, made no. it. Still a couple, it's a couple of others I'm waiting on. I'll, I'll yeah, they, uh, that, that's excellent. That's good to know. <laughs> if Ed Sheeran comes back to him next week, we're in that good spot. <laughs> No, I, I think from my side, I just I just want to remind everything of what we've talked about up till now. I, I think there's been some powerful messages here, but honesty, structure, support, just understanding who you are and what change you're trying to make is really important, as big or as small as it is, whatever area in, of life it is, because change, real change is significant. In AA, they talk about a significant personality change. And I agree with that. It doesn't mean you become a different person, but that does mean that if you want to make real change, there are fundamentally some things that happen in your personality that change. Mm. You know, even just not being selfish is a significant difference to someone who's inherently or consistently selfish. That's a massive change. Mm. And I think real change is, is that kind of significant personality change. But it needs to be one that is, in the end, one that's at peace with you, that feels calm. It doesn't feel a stress. It doesn't feel like you're hanging on. And to do that, you need to trust in a process, trust in the people around you, trust in the plan you have, rather than thinking it's all on you. Mm. And go back to that thing of process versus outcome. Mm. I'm just going to trust in this process and see where it takes me, rather than I am never going to do that thing ever again in my life. I think I think the last thing that I would say, Luke, as well, is this, it's never too late to change. I know that a lot of people have, will, will think, yeah, but I'm this age now. It's a bit too late for me. I might as well carry on doing what I'm doing. I saw a guy come into, you know, the fellowship about a month ago who That's was AA, late, by the way. AA, yeah. late yeah. 60s. 
and thought, you know what, I'm not going to keep doing this until the day I die. Late 60s goes, been drinking since I was, I think he said 13, been drinking since, like gone through all sorts. And then got to a point where he's like, not doing this anymore. It's only going to end one way. And I was that, that for me, I was like, late 60s, I was like, fair play. Getting to that point and going, there's still life here for me that I want to live. And there's still ways I can enjoy the rest of my days and feel better about myself. And, and I think that, again, with, with all different kinds of things that we talk about, it is never too late to start making that change. And again, with AA and stuff, you, you get people that go and you make amends. So you might be able to rebuild some relationships that may have failed or you may have given up on. But there's that bit of hope and there's that, there's that idea for me that it's never, ever too late to, to make that change. Thank you for listening to the Understanding Men podcast. As ever, you can find us on all major social platforms, including Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. And we will be promoting every episode via our own personal social media. So please come and find us. We want this podcast to be as interactive as possible. So keep the recommendations and the comments and the suggestions coming for whether it be topics or guests. We absolutely love it and we'll listen to everything. So please do send that in. Also, if you've liked what you've heard, then please go ahead and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. And finally, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating as it helps others to find us. My mum, Molly, who listens to every single episode, hi mum, doesn't want to leave a review because it will look a bit funny from <laughs> Molly Sutton. So if somebody else could leave a review instead of <laughs> Molly, then that would be amazing. But for now, thank you and on to the next episode.